get so nervous every time we start. I know, it's so funny. I'm always like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> Hello, I'm Isabel. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to The, the greatest, greatest Genre, aka Fantasy Romance, aka Romantasy. Well, and we will be reading. Here, oh, we yes. will be rereading, dissecting, and fully fangirling over the exhaustive works of the Romantasy Queen, Sarah J. Mass, starting with A Court of Thorns and Roses. Today, we'll be focusing on Akatar chapters 26 through 31. So we have another six yes. chapter episode for you today. The first portion of that episode will be completely spoiler free. We'll be speaking exclusively about the events that happen within those chapters and previous chapters and episodes, yes. sharing thoughts, analyses, and also referencing those events. Second portion of today's episode, spoilers abound. <gasps> Actually, it's going to be a separate episode. Yes, yes. We are aware of the fact that these episodes have been getting longer and longer. <laughs> and we don't want to cut anything out, but we also recognize that having, you know, episodes that are an hour and a half long. Um, Can be daunting. It's a lot. So this is going to be, we are going to have episode six, part one, which will, just like the first portion of all the episodes before, be referencing everything that has happened from chapters one up to chapter 31. Correct. Then we will have episode six, part two, and that will be exclusively spoilers. Spoiler section. Everything is on the table, theories, everything. So if you have not already read Akatar, Crescent City, and Tog, you will not want to be exposed to those, and you should right. decidedly not listen to we that episode. We will keep a disclaimer <laughs> at the beginning of that episode as well, just in case you accidentally, if you don't want spoilers and you accidentally click on part two, we will begin. By announcing Part two, by reminding you that we will be (laughs) spoiling lots of things. So. Additionally, some quick housekeeping notes before we get started. Please keep things kind in the comments. So far, we've been very lucky with this, getting good feedback. And also an adult content warning. Yes. This podcast. Oh my God. And this (laughs) episode, like the series itself, does (laughs) from time to time contain adult content and adult language. So if that is not your thing then perhaps this is not the episode for you, but we hope that it is. Because it's going to be so fun. Certainly the episode for us. (sighs) Okay. Uh, And lastly, if you have not already, please subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel. It would bring us so much joy. It would. Uh, You can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also apparently Amazon Podcasts and Google Podcasts, although we don't know how to get there. We do highly recommend our YouTube channel because that way you get to see our faces. And if you have not yet noticed, as most of you probably haven't, because I think that everyone listens and doesn't watch, but... Probably most people. But even if you're not watching, guess we what? We are wearing official greatest genre merchandise. It's official. So if you would like one of these t-shirts, uh, they will not have the Exiles logo on them. It'll just say the greatest genre, but you will be able to shortly... Purchase one on our link tree. Yes, we will have a link and you can order your own Greatest Genre t-shirt if you would like to rep the podcast and spread the good word about the Greatest Genre, both the actual Greatest Genre and the show. Precisely. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Jessica? Yes? I think that it is time. Oh, and I didn't even say our Instagram handles and our Twitter handles. So you can follow us on Instagram at... The underscore greatest genre yes. on Twitter at greatest genre on TikTok 
um, the greatest genre. The greatest genre. I looked it up. <laughs> and yeah. then you can email no, us at thegreatestgenre at gmail.com. Please send us emails if you have questions, if you have thoughts. And most importantly, we are crowdsourcing fan cast ideas because we're holding out hope for the Hulu show. Mm-hmm. Hope is not dead yet. It's dwindling, but it's not dead. So please, 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 if you have fan cast ideas, send them in. We're going to be doing something special with those towards the end of season one. Specifically, Volution. We're struggling. Yeah, we really need Volution. (laughs) And now, Jessica, I think it is time to return to Prithian. It is. Let's go over the wall, return to Prithian, and venture into chapters 26 through 31 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. You ready for those summaries? I am. And today we're going to be doing a speed read of the summaries because we have simply too much to talk about for us to, you know, recap in detail all the things that have happened. So start the timer, proverbially. Um, here we go. We begin. Should we cheers these before chapter- you start? Oh my we goodness, haven't... yes. Oh okay. my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just ready to dive right in there. <laughs> these chapters begin with lunch. <laughs> not what I have written I down. Think I don't know. I think it's technically breakfast, it but was, they're hungover, it the so it's meal lunch. of the day, but it was lunch time, and I believe the menu was lunch, yeah. food. <laughs> Anyways. Of which we did not get descriptors. Anyway, continue. It's I'm fine. So sorry. It's fine. Probably maybe for the best. I won't make eye contact with you. So we begin with a very unexpected and unpleasant visitor at lunch who brings the the happiness and the light and the whimsy that we've experienced in the last few chapters just really brings it to an abrupt and screeching halt. The encounter leaves everyone really, really rattled to their core. Reeling, if you will. Yes. Um, to the point where that night Tamlin comes to Feyre's room and tells her that he is sending her home. What else does he do, Jessica? You know what? We're going to get to that later. <laughs> But he tells her that he is setting her free and that she has to go home for her own safety. She begs him to let her stay, but he is resolute in his decision. decision. And so they spend a night together in each other's arms before she drifts off to sleep. And she thinks that she hears him whisper that he loves her. And then she leaves the next day and is taken back to the mortal realm where she realizes that her family's fortune has indeed, for lack of a better term, improved. Which is, Much which is perhaps yeah. the most grotesque understatement I've ever made <laughs> while giving these summaries. So she's back in the mortal realm. We're spending some more time with the Archeron family, which is interesting, rife with commentary that I'm very excited to get into. Yes. And among other things, Feyre learns that the glamour did not work on Nesta. So they have some pretty significant bonding time Her father throws a ball in her honor, and during the ball, she hears that the better family was attacked, and we'll talk about why that's significant in a little bit. After hearing about this attack, she realizes that she has to return to Brithian. So she leaves pretty immediately and travels through the forest, finds a way through the wall, finally arrives back to the manor, only to realize that she is is too late. Dun-dun-dun! That was good. That was brief. fastest one yet. I know. I miss, I kind of miss the old one. We'll do, I'll, we'll get back to the, the dramatic summaries later, that, but I just felt like today much. there was so much for us to talk about that it was important that we just get right 
to the discussion of it. So lunch. So lunch. <laughs> Many things happen first at lunch. Okay, but first, before <laughs> the before the important things that happen at lunch, let's discuss the, the banter. Let's discuss the banter and how Lucian. hungover Lucian is. When he's like, well, you two were, you know, doing whatever it was you were mm-hmm. doing. I was on border patrol. And mm-hmm. then Tablin gives Just him this size look. Alone. You? And he was <laughs> with some company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After a pointed cough from Tamlin, mm-hmm. Lucian fucked. He dallied. Maybe more than maybe more than one person. And I don't think we can discuss this any further. I don't think we can either because it's <laughs> simply too much. But, but it then, was so funny. So Tam, I giggled so hard reading this scene it over was again so because great. Feyre and Tamlin are just the most obnoxious couple to be around. They would be so, with the exception mm, of maybe another couple another that couple we'll talk about later, later on. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying and at one point Lucian I love I totally goes, I'm, I'm trying to eat <laughs> well you know what is so funny you know he can smell both of their I like, know desire and I'm sure it would be really not cool to sit there and just be like you guys I have that exact note in yeah. my although is that a spoiler no it's not a spoiler I'm it's trying so to funny <laughs> rereading this scene knowing about the phase heightened senses mm. and how she Farah is sitting there thinking I just wanted him to take me on the table I, right now she was having some very unfiltered thoughts yes x-rated thoughts Which about is, broad hands at, did you catch that because I read it and I now I think of you I literally cannot read the word broad without bursting into a fit of giggles it's she's like <laughs> I wanted his broad hands all over my body and I was like oh no and poor Lucian is sitting there having to smell having to bad desire basically <laughs> like know exactly what she's thinking about the entire time and and then also Tamlin is like not doing a very good job of playing neither of them are playing it cool no at all decidedly not and (laughs) and poor Lucian is just trying to nurse his hangover yes now all of this banter and levity is brought to an abrupt halt when Lucian has to give some news to Tamlin and Feyre. Which seemed like an interesting time and a place for him to deliver the news. And even Feyre kind of acknowledges that. she's, mm-hmm. And she wonders also if Lucian, if Emissary also means like spy master. Potentially. We don't know the full and scope of Lucian's role yet in the Spring Court. But, he's, but we do know that he's very good at his job. Very good at both politics and banter. And it's very hot. Very hot. <laughs> But he tells Feyre and Tamlin that 20 younglings were killed by the Blight from the Winter Court. Apparently the Blight burned through their magic and broke apart their minds. So this is the first mention of an additional court. We've heard about night, spring, autumn. Summer. And now we have winter. And this is so much more tragic because we know how rare it is for the high fate to... The younglings are. And even that aside, in the real world, when you hear about loss of children especially loss of children as a result of any kind of war Mm -hmm. is like just truly heartbreaking it's the most devastating thing and i think it's supposed it's it's effective in that it makes us realize while we have been in the spring court enjoying all of this magic and happiness it is it is a a bubble and there is dark devastating Things, things happening, happening throughout all around it kind of it's it's sort of a reality <clears throat> check like it's that cold splash of water 
an additional splash of water, Tamlin suddenly tells Lucian to get Feyre to the window. This whole sequence was, she's so good at writing this. I know. I was, it's so, my, like, my hair stood up on the back of my neck. <laughs> I was like, I had goosebumps. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. What's happening? And who saunters into the room? So Feyre is completely glamoured next to the window. So yeah. So, so Tamlin shoots up, mm-hmm. snarls. Which is a hot problem. <laughs> and then, and, and Lucian yanks her over to the side of the room, shoves her between him and the wall so that his scent covers his her. Has. And additionally, she has a glamour, you know, she smells the magic and realizes that she's been glamoured. She has no idea who is about to show up, but she knows that whoever well, she knows, is, is very I think scary. one of the most... The thing that jumped out to me the most rereading this scene was how I we have never seen Tamlin truly afraid or Lucian truly afraid, and lots of anger, like lots of frustration from them, but never like fear. I agree. And this was such a powerful scene to reread because of the complete helplessness that both of them have in that moment. So mm-hmm. what happens is who walks in but the stranger that saved her from the Picts on. Calumni. A number of things are revealed in this scene. First of all, this dangerous stranger that she met at Calumni, we find mm-hmm. out his name is Recend. Recend. Reese. Rise. Whatever the fuck you call him. And we should just get this straightened out right now because... The correct pronunciation mm-hmm. is Recend. I find that to be very difficult. Or, I still... My audiobook says Recend. No. Which is <laughs> just not no. my favorite. <laughs> I always but the, but read it as is Reese. I understand that abbreviated, it's Reese. The long version of his name, I want to say Ryzend. I, I get it. So I would just like to say right now, if I deviate to that, it's involuntary. It's just... <laughs> it's hard to unlearn. When yes. you've been reading a book character's name in your head a certain way, and then you hear it pronounced a different way, and you realize that yours is wrong. That's a tough transition. Throwback to the moment we weren't sure there was buggy or bog. <laughs> Well, the first time I ever really experienced mm-hmm. it was with Hermione. Mm-hmm. I mean, good lord. What did you think I it was? I was like six or seven years old reading these books, and there were so many vowels all in the same <laughs> vicinity, and I was like, I got nothing. So you were it like, turned out to be, Tommy own. I was, I grew, <laughs> no, it was just one of those things where you were like, where you're reading it, and you're like, and then you like keep going, you're like that girl. <laughs> so his name is revealed to be Resend. Resend. And uh, he is also other things are revealed, such as he is Amarantha's whore. So we suddenly have a name for this mysterious she that we have been hearing about for the last twenty-five chapters. Yes, when he makes his entrance into the lunchroom, which was <laughs> <laughs> it's the dining room. Yes, but, you know. So he's described as having very feline his movements Mm -hmm. are very feline very graceful fine rich clothing again cloaked in tendrils of night he is a presence yes to say a presence that both tamlin and lucian are clearly terrified of they're absolutely like sort of sat back on their heels for sure but lucian doesn't seem to be that afraid because he is pretty quick to hurl insults at this terrifying new stranger who just as quickly tells some that, stuff back. It's that autumn court fired. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there are a couple of things that I highlighted 
from this scene. First of all, power dynamics. There's a definite mm. switch. This is the first time you see Tamlin not acting like maybe a high lord would with someone comes into his court. He's, ho- makes he's this kind of- holding back and he's being, mm-hmm. he's trying to be very careful. It is revealed that Tamlin and Resend had some sort of relationship in their youth. This is clearly soured. And it is revealed that Resend is high lord of the night, the night court. court. Because he says, didn't you get my present? Yes. And he is going to go back and tell Amarantha that Tamlin has reconsidered her offer, whatever that may be. So there's clearly, again, something very big happening here that Feyre is not clued into. And from the context clues, it seems as though he is on an errand from Amarantha. He's sort of there almost on her behalf, it seems, because he is supposed to be reporting back to her about the status of things in the Spring Court. And it is confusing it is to so, try remember, and piece things together because even rereading this i was like what is he actually doing here is he just like checking up on like it's unclear it's very unclear because on the one hand he's like "Ugh, i've been bored you know mm-hmm. and um, on the other hand he'll say things like oh amarantha's going to be so interested to hear about this that and the other and then he also just seems like he has nothing better to do with his time than, than to come around here and and be an asshole it is also revealed that he, so wherever he is going back to is where Lucian's mother is. There's this very charged moment where... I picked up a lot. Well, <clears throat> he makes several threats against Lucian's mother, which I did not appreciate, appreciate one bit. He's, what is it? When Lucian says, I forget exactly just, what the line he is. He just very quickly started throwing Lucian's mother around in a very very disrespectful at best and like predatorial at worst Mm -hmm. you know I mean he's he's like a terror it's like he's making a very an unveiled threat yeah and this is really fucking scary to be on the other end of yes and as he's about to leave and they can all kind of release the breath they've been holding in he sees that the table is set for three well, and, and he, he walks around behind Feyre's chair, and she, and even Feyre's, Feyre's like, shit, he's going to smell me. Yes, and he does. And there's this brief flicker of disbelief that passes over his face, and Dis- then he shit. goes, where's your guest? He then, he notices Feyre behind Lucian. When he gets pissed. And he gets very angry. He says, you dare to glamour me. This is before or after he gets up in Lucian's face and says, I was slaughtering on battlefields before you were born. This is after. Because he and Lucian really go back and... Tamlin doesn't say much. No. Really. Tamlin is just sitting there trying to, I think, hold it together. Which is interesting. And it actually... It's just now occurring to me as we're having this discussion. In previous chapters, Lucian has been the one being like, we should be doing something. We should be fighting back. We should be trying. Mm -hmm. And he really gets on Tamlin for this kind of passive... Approach that he's taking. Approach that he's taken. And I think that this is another instance where Lucian is probably in his head feeling like, okay, well, if Tamlin's not going to stand up to this bully, then I will. And he's almost slapped, like swatted away like a fly. I know. So the power dynamic here. says Reese brushed Lucian aside like a curtain. Something like that. Yeah. And she says that to be standing there. And she 
also describes, I think, the the smirk on his face, like his his smile wetted itself to an edge, and he was more deadly than I had ever seen Tamlin look. She says something like that. She also says she would never paint him. Yes, because she's too scared. Yes. <laughs> Tamlin isn't moving. He isn't trying to stop Rhysand from approaching Favor and entering her mind, no, which I thought does. was interesting. He does nothing. He does nothing. He sits there. I think he is overcome with fear. I think he truly <laughs> believes that if he tries to step in, it will get worse. Yes. Which I understand. I understand because clearly they know something about Rhysand that we don't. Well, and she's, she's picking up that... He is more powerful than these two. But it's also like if he is there as Amarantha's emissary, basically, then to strike against him is to strike against her and to bring her entire wrath upon the spring court is something that clearly needs to be avoided at all costs. So I think in Tamlin's mind, he feels like he cannot do, do anything. anything. And recent kind of says as much. He basically is like, you're gonna like now, now you be nice to he's me. He's almost playing with them like a cat oh, in his no, food. No, but he is. Yeah, he is. He's totally playing with them. He's coming in here. He's he's trying to make them scared. He's swinging his dick around. Mm-hmm. And I found him to be really very unlikable for the entire exchange. He's the kind of villain where when you watch them on screen, like, you know how, like, really good villains just make you angry? Mm-hmm. They make you want to be able to just, They make you want to like, throw something across them, a wall. Right? Yes, exactly. And that is how I felt reading, reading this, this scene. Because it was so, it was almost like that you, hel- you held no power. You could do nothing, you do and that's nothing, what and makes you so angry. Evil. Because they're so nasty and smug. He's very smug. Oh, he is The entire smug. time. As soon as he notices Feyre... He abruptly... He's no longer playing around. No, he is angry. And he says, you dare glamour me. And he walks over to her. And a new part of what his powers are are revealed as he proceeds after Tamlin says, you have seconds to get out. And he says, if I were you, I wouldn't speak to me like that. And then he breaks into Farah's mind. Yeah, she's physically paralyzed. This was so scary to read. The complete feeling of helplessness that she experiences. Mm. Here I have the quote pulled up. Against my volition, my body straightened, every muscle going taut, my bones straining. Magic, but deeper than that. Mm. Power that seized everything inside me and took control. Even my My blood blood flowed where where he he willed it. it. I couldn't move. An invisible talon-tipped hand scraped against my mind. And I knew, one push, one swipe of those mental claws, and who I was would cease to exist. How scary is that? No, it's very scary. And, and then, then he, he says starts, something like, And then he um, starts revealing her innermost thoughts. And this is not very nice. No. And wholly unnecessary, I might add. She's already scared. You I don't have need notes, to humiliate her. Uh, in, I have notes about this for the spoiler addition, section. Like, as to why I think this happened. But we'll save that for later. I'm very, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into that a little bit more. But then he says something else to the effect of, like, I'd forgotten how easy it is to shatter human he minds. He says, I'd like, forgotten that human minds... He likens them to eggshells. Are easy to shatter as eggshells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he so, runs a finger across the base of her throat. He is, like... He's, he's trying scary. to be as terrifying as possible in this moment. Yes. And then he reveals all the thoughts that she's been having about Tamlin. And, like, once again, poor Lucian. 
I know. This is just really, I mean, humiliating <laughs> for Feyre, but like very awkward for Lucian as well. And Tamlin <laughs> is sitting there saying, let her go, but he is not, not doing, doing anything. anything. He is sitting there and you can see the anger on his face. SJM does a great job of describing, like he's like shaking with anger. It's almost like he's holding himself back, but he is not moving. And then he makes Tamlin and Lucian get on the floor and beg. This is this was crazy. And there's I do want to back up a little bit because there's one other thing that he Resand looks at Tamlin and says, "Oh, she doesn't know, does she?" Mm. Again, like what an does indication this mean? to something what does this that mean? is going on that Feyre is still not clued into. We've always known that there is a lot going on that Feyre has not been told that she doesn't understand, but now we start to think maybe all of this stuff that's going on actually has more to do with Feyre than Lucian and Tamlin have Uplated allowed her to, to believe. Mm-hmm. And because then Reese says, if it's any consolation, she would this have been the big. one for you. Yeah. And you might have gotten away with it. A bit late, though. She's more, more stubborn, stubborn than, than you are. Yeah. And then he goes, Amarantha will enjoy breaking her. Almost as much as she'll enjoy watching you as she shatters her bit by bit. So... Reese knows that these two are in love with each other, even though that hasn't been said out loud yet. And well, he definitely knows that Feyre is having a lot of dirty <laughs> definitely. thoughts about Tamlin for sure. And I think what we pick up on, the most important thing we pick up on here, is that Feyre is a part of everything that has been going on, which is very different than what Tamlin has told her. Mm-hmm. He has made her believe that it does not. She has her. nothing to do she with it. She has this. nothing to do with it. It's separate from her. That he, it is his burden to bear. It's his burden. Solely. There's nothing that she can do. And like she needs to just, he's going to keep her safe, but that she is not a part of it. And now after this interaction, it's pretty clear to us as readers that that is not the not truth. Not the case. He makes Tamlin beg to consider. He makes consider them get on the floor telling, and goes, put their faces on the floor. floor and Farah says something like I could have wept with rage at seeing the sight of my high and it, because it does yes, it makes it you so angry you that rage. you're like sick mm-hmm. yes and then he saunters out and he says maybe perhaps I'll tell her perhaps, perhaps I, won't. I won't but while this entire exchange is going on he tells Farah to tell him his name yes he says and what's your name love and somehow she pulls Claire which is Bedor interesting because if hat. he can get into her mind with one stroke of his power he's got to ask her for her name again i have some notes about i know this. you i know you. we're gonna section. talk about it we're gonna talk about it but i just i think it's interesting to note yes it no 100 so he simply asks he doesn't reach into her no. mind and take it from her he asks her her name and she acknowledges that she's like he can just steal it if if i hesitate for too long he'll just steal it and so she's she says and she's trying name. to wipe her own name mm-hmm. she's trying to not think about anything so she just says the name claire better which and is he goes, significant. Yes. And then he says, maybe I'll tell her, maybe I won't. And he, and leaves. he leaves them reeling. I Like, Feyre is like, does she vomit after mm. he leaves? I believe she does empty she, her stomach onto the floor. I yes. there's a lot of thinking that she might empty her stomach onto the floor, but I can't remember if it actually happens after he leaves. She probably will. Immediately goes She runs up to up, her She, like, well, runs up to her room. Tamlin has a magical meltdown. Which... I also have some notes about. I have some notes about it too, but I also am not, I'm self-aware enough to say that if 
that I had been in his shoes, I probably also would have felt the need to like rape because he couldn't. Yeah. When Reese was standing there and to feel that helpless and patronized. Like sometimes you just gotta throw shit. And we know that <laughs> Tamlin is someone who it's really important to him to defend people who cannot defend themselves. Yes, 100%. That is something that is really, really core to who he is. And the fact yeah. that he was just held in that Hostage. position where he could do in his nothing own, in, his in his own, own home. home. Like, I think I would have to rage afterwards, too. So she recovers in her room. Tamlin. Has her molten chocolate. Tamlin molten has chocolate. his Tamlin, meltdown. Tamlin recovers by destroying the dining room. We can only And Shavira can hear it downstairs. She can hear him the going roaring, off. The roaring, the... Crashing, the shattering. It's, it's, a, it's a bad situation. It is very bad all around. Not sure where Lucian is, but... So Tamlin comes This up. is bad. Like, there have been unsettled... Like, the Naga were no This is fun. the worst thing that has happened so this far. This is different. A, this, a shift has taken place. Yes. Lucian and Tamlin have been terrified into an inch of their life. Yes. So, as is Feyre. Yes. So, eventually, Tamlin comes up. He sits on the side of her bed, and he tells her that he is going to send her away. And this breaks her it made me think of beauty and the beast when she finds out her dad is sick and he mm-hmm. just immediately is like i'm Go. i set you free I you're say. free and he says that he'll take on like the life debt that she owes yes. and if anyone ever comes like oh, don't worry about it basically yeah he yeah he basically says like i will pay the life debt if someone comes asking Mm-hmm. And, and she, which is like, which is noble. Like that's a noble thing. And I think he is letting her go. Truly, I think he is just so terrified. And he, and he, he says loves as her much. so much. He's he does. Like, and listen, this is what you do. If you love someone, sometimes you let them go. Well, and, and he even says to her, he's like, today, I couldn't protect you today. And she doesn't he's understand. Like, She's like, even... who is this? Like what is happening? And he, he won't still, tell her anything. He still will not tell her anything. He says... I can't tell you who these people are that they'll hurt. They will hurt you. And they she will is hurt like, you. why? They will hurt because you because of, of what, what you mean, mean to, me. to me. Because of who you are to me. Exactly. And this kind of softens her a little bit because she she's starting to realize what he feels for her. I actually thought the night they spend together is really it's, beautiful. I, I, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and I think, I don't even know if this is a trope, but the whole like, oh, this might be the last night we ever spend together. Uh, it's a mini trope. It's a mini, great. It's a, <laughs> it's a micro trope. A micro trope <laughs> that I love. love. Yeah. A lot of, if lo- last night so we'll be alive, last night we'll be together, yeah. anything like that. I'm yeah. like, all right, let's, let's, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. You just. <laughs> and, and boy, do they. Yes. No, they and he and he tries to leave. He says, "You won't get any sleep if I stay." And she, and says, she goes, she says, I'll, "I'll keep, keep my, my hands to myself." myself. And then she Liar. goes, "A lie, <laughs> an outright lie." But, but that was that, anyway. that was after they had done it for the first time. He tries to get up and leave, and she's like, "Don't do that." Yeah. Which I was like, "Why are you leaving?" I know he, was he wants like, her to sleep. That's ridiculous. He doesn't actually leave. I think he just wanted her to ask him to stay. Yes, which is fine. Um, I just need to note very quickly. So mm-hmm. as I was rereading. Alpha sex scene! Hey! <laughs> Finally. Chapter 27. <laughs> At one point, as the getting to it. Yes. I keep forgetting that he's wearing a, a mask. mask. <laughs> At one point, she, she's like tracing it with her hands. I'm like, Jesus. I keep forgetting that that is on his face. It's the claw you- coming out of his finger for me. To, like, to tear away her under things. Her under things. Her lace under that things. That was a little tough for me to read. I was like, ooh. <laughs> but there is um, a couple of words, a couple of pieces that I pulled out here. Oh? That just I thought that you might enjoy. Oh. 
a ravenous, unyielding mm. sort of hunger passed over his oh, face. Oh, I did like that. Predatory intent. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, a I have beast one. I have one. Freed of its tether. Yes. <laughs> Again, <laughs> what is it about? I know I actually am getting a little water. <laughs> what is it about men acting like primal beasts? Because we are primal at, at the core of our DNA. That's and this, why. It, this, and this, it doesn't get more primal than this. Oh, my God, no. Two and people getting a- it on. <laughs> I had another one and she says he like you know it's before they really cross the line you know mm-hmm. and he's like if I God, look at you why I'm talking about this I'm sorry he she you know he's like if I don't stop now I won't be able to stop at all yes and he kind of like pulls back and he's looking at her and the quote is the full force of that wild unrelenting high, high lord's, lord's power, power. Focused solely on me. Yep. And I felt the storm contained beneath his skin, so capable of sweeping away everything I was, even in his lessened state. But I could trust him, trust myself to weather that mighty power. I could throw all that I was at him and he wouldn't balk. And then Which she Which also says, made me think about... Well, Isaac Hale definitely couldn't handle her. Um, no. I think that Feyre is... <laughs> A lady in the streets, shall we say? And a freak in the sheets. I think so. And well, because so she's like, they're having this moment, and then she just says, give me everything. Yeah. And I think she does something kind of naughty. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) That's too much. Okay. One other note that I had, and I mean, this is, I feel like a little micro, not a trope, but this happens in this genre in general, when... The man mm-hmm. climaxes. <laughs> the male. <laughs> they always roar. <laughs> and I have one note. It says, hot. <laughs> I, I, can you put the AC down one degree, please? <laughs> Just put it down one. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> It's a little warm in here all of a sudden. I'm like, so after they have, you know, they bang and it's all very yes. amazing and, yeah. yes. and you know. It's, it's transformative. It's, yes, it's transformative. And she tells him to stay and she's drifting off to sleep mm-hmm. and then she thinks that she hears him say as as his ha- also a man stroking your I, hair. I'm so glad you brought that up because oh my I was God. thinking about that. There is literally just... no better feeling. And that's intimacy. Yes. It's almost hotter than the actual sex. That all sounds great. really great. <laughs> but the being held yes. and having mm-hmm. and having your hair you know feeling like feeling you safe. can you can drift off mm-hmm. to sleep in is the best feeling. And he says I love you, thorns, thorns and, and all. all. And then he kisses her brow, which is the most intimate sort of kiss that exists. It's not fair. It shouldn't be allowed. You are sending her away and you're going to do that. Why do they do this? I know. So they have this amazing night. And then the next morning she is abruptly put into a ridiculous carriage with this a ridiculous whole dress. whole outfit sounds horrible. And Lucian says as much. So we need to talk about... The tension between Tamlin and Lucian as she yes. is leaving. So well, and Lucian between Lucian clearly- and Feyre, Lucian looks at her and he says, "I thought you were smarter than this," which I missed the first time completely. I, Lucian is the most interesting character in this book. So much of who he is happens off page. 
Yes. And, and so much that we don't understand until, like, you know, the end of this book and even the next couple. We still, I still don't think after five books we have the, the full scope of who he is as a person and his entire character. I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. We're going to have to get a handle on Sorry. that. <laughs> so there's clearly a ton of tension between Tamlin and Lucian. Lucian does not think she should leave. No. And Tamlin actually out loud... Also, Lucian storms off. Lucian Tamlin. does storm off. Not not one for goodbyes. Lucian, Alice, and Feyre. No, none of them really say a farewell no. to each other. It's all very abrupt. I mean, I think what I Tensions think everyone are very is high. still reeling from. And the night I think before. the only person who is really set in this decision is Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Feyre doesn't want to go. Lucian is clearly not in favor of this. Alice seems to be kind of off. Mm-hmm. And and she just says to Feyre, you know, Feyre's like, I really hope you get to see your nephews. And Alice, which I loved that. And the only thing, the like, Alice doesn't even say thank you. She just says, make the most of your freedom. Oh, I missed that. Even on a reread, mm. Tamlin tells her out loud. He says it again. He and says because she's standing there, you. and in her head, she's like, I all I wanted to know was if he really meant that. I just wanted to hear him say it again. And the final, final thing, as the carriage is like pulling away. Like, the driver cracks the whip, the horses start to move, mm-hmm. and it's the last thing he says before she's, like, And on she her way finds home. herself unable. And she, she cannot say it back. She finds herself unable to say it back. And her reasons were, like, in her head, they were interesting to me. It almost goes back to the version of herself that she was at the beginning of this story, where she doesn't allow herself to, to feel, feel good things. things. Because nothing is certain and because you just you cannot allow room for that in your head or your heart if you're going to survive it's almost like she's reverting back to to this person that she she was before Mm -hmm. and it's actually very poetic because she is physically going back to where she was at the beginning of her journey not exactly but and once again she is knocked out (laughs) which again and her irritation (laughs) she's like really we're still doing this like she was like the jig is up. I know where you live. Like <laughs> you don't have to knock me out. And then she arrives at her family's mansion. I mean estate, if you will. This sounds opulent. Gaudy. Almost gaudy. But then again, you know, she says it's almost exactly like Tamlin's manner. Yes. Which we also said was a bit gaudy, gaudy if you ask me. <laughs> so she arrives and Elaine. In this huge gilded carriage. Oh, God. Just with this, six horses. Like, you know how, you, and also, you know how extra that is? Do you know how extra her dress sounds? Sounds terrible. Also, like, she has has presented herself as a very practical person who doesn't really enjoy wearing gowns and frilly dresses. And like, why was she put in this, going back to the human land? Because she has to look like the, the rest of them. Has to look like she's been at, at like Aunt a, Ripley's at Aunt house. Rip- <laughs> So we might as well just get Aunt Ripley out of the way. <laughs> Aunt Ripley. Spelt R-I-P-L-E-I-G-H. Every time I read this Not on the page, to be confused with Ripley's, Ripley's believe, believe it, it or not. Or not. <laughs> but she arrives at the manor and her sisters don't, don't recognize even recognize her. her. Which, to be fair, Feyre can barely... There's a moment later on in these chapters where she says, like, she can barely recognize herself when yes. she passes a mirror. So, and they weren't She was on the brink of starvation, and she, she was... She looks very... Yeah. And her sisters are not expecting to see her because she's at Aunt, Aunt Ripley's. Ripley's house. <laughs> so they're very... They just think that some random lady is, like, showing up at their house. Then they figure out that it's Feyre. So let's talk about the difference in... Wait, 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 wait. Greetings. Wait. Okay, fine. 
But what were you about to say? No, I just really, I just have to. So they're like, oh my God, Feyre. <laughs> and, and then Elaine's like, didn't you get our letters? And Feyre's like, I can't read. And Elaine's like, what? <laughs> and I know that I've ripped on Elaine in the past. And it's not that I like seek opportunities to do so. It's this that she, she gives them to us on so a plateau. easy. I mean. Didn't you get our letters? Girl. Tough look for your Elaine. Your sister is illiterate. <laughs> and now on the flip side. Nesta. <laughs> her greeting is less warm. Pretty much nothing. I have this, I have this one line pulled out for Nesta. And I think, I think you have the same note probably. Hmm. I forgot how cunning her eyes were. Mm-hmm. How cold. She'd been made differently from something harder and stronger than bone and blood. She was as different from the humans around us as I had become. Yeah, I I do have that quote. I have it down in the uh, in the part two. Oh, part two. Okay, section. So basically, they're rich as fuck now. And yeah, no, and this is all a little bit funny because it's it also it's a has a little like, cheesy. It's it's like oh, suddenly everything's happy and great. And that's also, my audiobook, ju- my audiobook, oh no, narrator has the funniest Elaine voice ever. I wish I could just like play it. Oh my god, because. Her voice like shoots up six octaves and it almost sounds like she's mocking Elaine all the time, which I find to be very fitting. <laughs> she's like, oh, Feyre, you won't believe what happened. You, a week after you left, a stranger, a stranger showed, showed up at the door and asked father to invest his money and gave us a chest full of gold. And, like, <laughs> and she just sounds like an insufferable bimbo. bimbo and yeah, it's, it's so, so tough. hard. Who just really likes to, to plant flowers. And is so fucking clueless. But we need to be, it's, it's now, tough. I'm just saying, the reintroduction to the Archeron sisters is pretty much exactly, exactly what it as was. we left them. Yes. Nesta just, just still being a Even bitch. in a totally different <laughs> environment, their circumstances have totally changed, right? Mm-hmm. But this is just proof, that, like, this is really just kind of who they are, regardless of their circumstances. Yes, Elaine, Elaine is described is like, as having this, but she's described as having this lovely warmth, and she's really inviting, and all the servants love her. Yes, and she's kind and to everyone, and Nesta is just imperious and cold, but very calculating. She is, and I want to get into this a little bit more. So Feyre, like, there's this initial reintroduction, right? And mm-hmm. it's, Elaine is at least very, very happy to see her, which is yes. nice, and their father, you know, seems to be very happy to see Feyre. Nesta, I guess she's just being Nesta, but they're also, she she seems very suspicious of Feyre, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And we find out a little bit more about we why that is We find out why, but she's definitely, <clears throat> Feyre thinks to herself, like she she's thinking to herself, you know, I guess Nesta didn't care if I was around anymore because she doesn't need me. And of course we know now that that's not why Nesta is behaving this way. But it is a very interesting sort of reintroduction. But as Feyre spends the next couple of like days, weeks... I believe it's weeks. In the mortal realm. It might even be there's a, month a lot or so. of there's a lot of really interesting moments between Feyre and both of her sisters. Mm-hmm. And I guess let's start with Elaine, because yes, we rip on Elaine a lot because she seems to be a little clueless and shallow and maybe not very smart. <clears throat> but you're right. She But she has Feyre a goodness ta- about her. Feyre speaks about how warm she is and how kind she is she is to everyone. I think that that's the main thing and how that we have to cling on to as we read about her character. That, is she, that she is very is kind. Just a good person and to I her loved, core. And I loved the moment where Feyre walks back to their old hut mm. and she looks at the house and she's like, and she was thinking about, so Elaine tells Feyre, Elaine actually gives 
a lot of really important information to Feyre, and it feels natural because obviously Feyre they would needs be catching to know, up regardless about what's and, been going on the last few months. And Elaine <clears throat> actually does show a little bit of depth and perception and awareness because she says Nesta won't say this to you, but it was a little bit of a strange season because people just acted like we had just We'd been away been for sick. eight years, like we had just been sick. And, and then apparently says, Nesta stopped going to the event. Nesta had stopped going. It was like she couldn't stomach anymore. But the thing I thought that was interesting that Elaine said, and Feyre keeps, Feyre focuses on this when she goes back to see their old cottage. Elaine says, it made me miss sometimes those days when we were in the together. cottage when we were just all together. This house is so empty sometimes. It's so large. And so when Feyre goes back to the cottage and looks at it, and she's having, you know, a lot of reflection and... She says, I looked at the house and I saw a prison. And Elaine looked, looked at the at house and, she saw, and saw shelter. And she saw shelter. And I realized which one of us had been stronger. And I do think that that is a really beautiful because, you know what? It actually, in this moment, I'm realizing it makes me think of the strength of hobbits that Tolkien talks mm. about in Lord of the Rings how they have so much love for home and comfort and often people write that off as softness but that kind of love and loyalty and that kind of value for home can so great strengthen a person and so I just I do think it's important that we remember that as we that we remember that because because she gets really excited about throwing a ball for Pharaoh when she comes back don't get me wrong. Loves the pretty dresses and, and it's flowers. Fine to be girly. Of course, it's, it's totally fine to be fine. girly. But for me, it's just like you she's forgot. Not your, really you wrote your sister letters when you know she can't read. She's also like not picking up on maybe there's more going on with Feyre than she is. She's like, let's go to the continent next year. And Feyre, let's go on a trip. And Feyre has just had this life-altering experience, which of course they don't but know Elaine what it is, is fully. But Elaine is she doesn't soothing for her things. to be around yeah. because she's not going to put Feyre on the spot. She's just going to chatter away. And Unlike and I, again and again, I think it is worth noting that Elaine's happiness, I think, is a little bit contagious. I think it does, and even the way that it's described, that like all of the servants cannot help but they just be in love, but like with her. offer her things, and her goodness and kindness and happiness seem to just sort of seep into everyone who is around her, which is significant, and it's a very interesting contrast to Nesta. Nesta it's so funny because people, I always feel guilty being friends with people like that because they're so nice. I get this sometimes. Shout out with Nicole if you're listening. Like people who are so <laughs> kind and like good to their oh, core. Oh, Shanna too. And Shanna. I yeah, love, me I too, love Shanna. Shanna. She and, is so kind. And I'm like, why are you friends with me? Like I, because no one's ever. Listen, I'm a nice person, but no one's gonna I think ever. You're very nice. Of course. Well, thank you. No one's ever gonna be talking about me behind my back and be like, oh my god, Izzy, she's so sweet. <laughs> It's not going to happen. I don't think anyone's ever said that about me either. That's why we get along so great. <laughs> but it, it, it's hard. It's, people like that are contagious, and you just want to soak up their sunshine. They they lift up the people around they them. They really, really do. And, and that's what I think we just That is a good thing. That is a rare thing. Especially, and thank God she has that, because that is not what she is getting from Nesta. No, it's not. So let's get, it, let's get into Nesta. Nesta, like I said before... Seems very suspicious of Feyre. Right from the get-go. Doesn't really give her a hug. Avoids nothing. her. Doesn't seem to have interest in talking to her about much of anything. And just 
is like even before like she was nasty and cruel before but it's they were engaging worse. with it's each other. It's almost worse now this she time. Just, it almost seems like she wants nothing to do with Feyre. She could not care less that Feyre is back, has nothing to say to her after months of Feyre being away, right? So it's just, it's all very strange until... Elaine reveals that Nesta stopped going to socialite season about halfway through mm-hmm. and she also she went Elaine to go says, see Feyre. Elaine says, well, you know she went to visit you. And Feyre's very thrown off by this. And she goes, you know, her carriage broke down halfway through and she decided to come back because it was in winter. And so this elicits Feyre to be like, all right, I got to have a conversation with Nesta. Well, she goes, so she goes to see the, Feyre goes to see the cottage and then she goes and she uses her fortune and she gives it to. Which I really, this scene, this, this entire scene was only a couple of pages long, but I really loved it. And I thought that it was important. It was kind of a moment's pause where we got to see how Feyre has kind of grown as a person as well. Generosity was not something that was part of her nature when we first met her. No. She was like, I am here to save my family and that's it. Which makes total sense. Of course. But her going to the poor part of the village and giving little sacks of money or gold and silver to families that needed the most. And then she has this moment where she meet, she sees Isaac Hale. I love I loved this, this scene. And I had completely glazed over it, I think, the first time Me I too. read it. Me too. I can't remember. So I couldn't remember her seeing Isaac Hale. Relatable? Yeah. Because she never loved Isaac. Isaac was an outlet for her. He was an escape for her. And, and they well, and they were both they were both young. so young, mm-hmm. and they've both she sees that he now. has grown up and that he has changed. He has been transformed by mm-hmm. this during this time that they've all been apart, and and so has she. And I think when she looks at him, I think she kind of sees a very muted version of what she and Tamlin were, mm-hmm. and she is just happy for them. And she says, like to my core, I wished them. Well. I wish them all of the best. And that made and me is that so not happy. The moment that every girl, everyone who has an ex, like that is so. When the you moment. see them happy with somebody else, and instead of it like being a twist or being an ugly feeling, you're just genuine. Like a genuine like, smile comes to your face. Like I hope that they're doing just so well. That's so great. I love that scene as well. Mm-hmm. So she makes it back home. She and Nesta, it is time for she them to have a conversation. She and Nesta finally have this, they have it. And Nesta's actually the one who seeks Feyre out. Because Feyre's just out in the and garden. And she says, why are oh, you still here? Oh, by the way, Feyre has um, calloused hands. Did you I, notice that? I did notice that. Were From you, all of her years of hunting. Was that very attractive to you? It was different in this context. <laughs> <laughs> I read it and I giggled. I was like, oh! She asks Feyre, why, she, why are you like, still here? like, why are here? you here then? And Feyre and, says, this is my home. And Nesta goes... It's sure, basically she goes, it's sure as fuck, isn't your yeah, home is she's somewhere. Like, she was like, no, it's not. I, I she, think, says, she says, I think your, I think home, your is home is somewhere so far, far away. Far away. And then she throws a piece of the table at Feyre, the piece with the foxglove on it, mm-hmm. which I just have to note um, quickly. It says that it was the wrong shade of blue. I'm pretty sure foxglove flowers are not blue. I'm actually going to Google it right, right now. Right now? Yeah. Red, <laughs> pink, yellow, white, and purple. <laughs> So like like a like a bluish purple. Maybe? Well, if she painted it blue, then it was incorrect. That's for sure. So I guess maybe that's just you know it was blue and that was wrong. Anyways, yeah. So she throws this table, this piece of the table, and she's like, she says, "Your beast's little trick didn't work on me." Nesta just radiates coldness and calculating energy. She reveals that 
none of the glamour worked on her. No. She actually went to go find Feyre. Yeah, when she went to go visit Feyre, she paid a mercenary. She used the, the last money she had from the pelts, paid the mercenary, made her take her to the wall, couldn't find a way in, and then had to come back. And Feyre is deeply moved by this. Because she didn't even think that Nesta and cared I, about like, her. I was, very, I was deeply moved by it, too. This entire exchange, I, I was, like, wrapped while I was reading Especially, like, from, I mean, you and I are both eldest daughters. I have this line, elder sisters are the backbone of society. <laughs> Which we've discussed before, and it remains nonetheless true. Yes. But I think it, it moved me because I know that if you one of my brothers had been, di- like, you just you just know like you just that's do what whatever you, do. you have to do to protect that's your family. That's what you do because they're yes. your little siblings. And I have this line: she had cared beneath it. She had cared and perhaps loved more fiercely than I could comprehend, more deeply and loyally. Like and sibling she- love is complicated under the, under the best of circumstances. And when you have been through what this family has been through, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of no wonder that Nesta isn't able to like show her love or her emotions at all really especially not in a healthy way yeah and she's just made differently Feyre she's made a lot of words like that that. she's like Nesta has always been different than the rest of us she demands Feyre to tell her everything she says you yeah she's like I know there is there is no Aunt Ripley tell me everything there's no (laughs) I do not believe in Aunt Ripley (laughs) And, and so Feyre does. She tells her everything. And Nesta, and this is the, the most Nesta thing ever, rather than exclaim over the story, I, I can see it happening right now. She listened to the entire thing in silence. Did not say a single word. Did not word. say a single word. And then, rather than respond to the story, she goes, will you teach me how to paint? Yeah. Which I loved. Like, for me, that moment was so special. To me, it shows that, that she, she actually really does know her sister. Yeah. Because instead of having to talk about it more or answer questions, I think she knows that the best way for... Feyre to have some kind of catharsis, some kind of outlet is to be able to paint. And throughout these entire, I guess these two or three chapters that she's been back at home, Feyre is saying how she couldn't bring it within herself to paint. Mm -mm. She's missing talent. It's not until Nesta asks her that she gets the brushes and the paints out and decides Mm -hmm. to get back into it. I think that maybe this would have been the beginning of her healing journey if she learns about Claire and decides to go Mm -hmm. back if she hadn't made that decision, this would have been where her healing journey started. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and just to not be alone, right? And to Tamlin, share something that you love Tamlin with someone else. Because Tamlin forbade her from telling anyone. anyone. And like, on, like for her own safety, he's like, the spies will be everywhere. You cannot tell anyone the truth. And for whatever reason, all it took was Nesta being like, I know you weren't at Aunt Ripley's house. Tell me the truth. I think it was so, so necessary for Feyre to be able to tell somebody how she had been feeling. And she can't tell Elaine. And it is so different from the beginning of the relate. Like, this is a hugely significant step in the relationship for Nesta mm-hmm. and Feyre. I don't think Huge. they've ever had a conversation like, like this. this. I think at one point, Elaine's like, maybe you can talk to Nesta. And like, she's being so mean to my friends and they hate her. <laughs> and, and, she, and, and I had and to say, like, I bet if I were around Elaine's friends... They would, they would be uncomfortable around me too because I would just probably <laughs> always rolls. be like, oh my God. But I think that Farah has this funny little internal thought where she's like, I didn't know how to tell her that Nesta and I haven't had a civilized conversation in years. years. Which again, like how freaking out of touch are you, Elaine? Good Lord. It's very tough look Do you know for what? Elaine. Do you know what, Isabel? <laughs> it's almost like she's on a different plane hmm. of reality. Is it? Hmm. So, the, so ball. the ball, which... Uh, 
You and I Which love a bowl lovely. scene. It would be but lovely. But we didn't really get the bowl scene. Because this is it not really, it's not, scene. first of all, now that we've experienced the summer solstice in Frithian, a mortal realm ball sounds like a snooze fest. <laughs> no, thank you. Feyre battles through the bowl until she hears about Clabador. The entire better family. Their home was attacked, burned to the ground. Everybody was killed, but they did not find Claire's body. Yes. And Feyre knows immediately. She gets this cold feeling, realization, and she understands that that was supposed to have been her. Because that was the name she gave to Rhysand. And so she makes a decision to go back. Well, and again, Nesta is standing there watching the look on her face. And she's like, Feyre, Feyre, what... Is, and, and I can't I remember. I can't remember if she go. yanks. She goes. But, do, but does she like yank? Do they leave the party? Because there is more. They do leave the party. And Nesta comes to help Feyre. Nesta's like helping Feyre like pack, pack right? And, and at one point, there's a conversation between Nesta and Feyre about their father. Who and we Nesta, haven't discussed, by the way. No, we haven't. And we probably should. But Nesta says to Feyre, our father let our mother die. Mm-hmm. He let her die. And you would go to the ends of the earth to save your high lord. She says that to her. And I, I actually don't think spoilers, but. Nesta has a lot of respect for Feyre in this regard. Even if she doesn't say it outright. I think Nesta has outright. always respected Feyre. And I think that she just is incapable of having those conversations. Right. For a number of reasons. And that's really when Feyre decides that Nesta is right. Like she's not just going to let Tamlin die. She is going to go to the ends of the earth. Even if it costs her everything, she's going to go. She tells Nesta and Elaine, everything I have told you is a lie. So like when this Clabetta stuff comes out, she's like, all right, listen up. And she's like, you need you, to leave. And if you won't leave. At the sign of anything amiss. Yeah. Anything. You even get a feeling. You leave. And at one point, Nesta looks at her and she goes, we don't we need don't you need here, Feyre. Don't look back. And it's not, she's not saying it she in even a references, cruel way. She even references, because that's what Feyre's father said to her when she was taken at the mm-hmm. beginning of this book. She says, our father told you once. To never come back. And I'm telling She's you now. Believe it. And I'm telling you. you now, we don't need you. And Feyre realized, without Nesta saying it, Feyre realizes this wasn't a cruelty. No. She was, she was telling like me. Like releasing her she was, Yeah, she was, she was setting me free. Like, and it's so funny because when Tamlin sets her free. It doesn't feel like that. It feels, it feels like an actual prison sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And so now Nesta setting her free is the real the real, the real push that she needed her. to make yes. that decision and follow her heart. Yes. I was afraid rereading that these chapters were going to be tough for me to get through. I actually, but I actually really loved them. Me too. And I savored every moment of it. Especially knowing what Nesta and Elaine's characters are down the line, which we won't get into. But it just it was interesting to see the foundations yeah. Come of back those. for part two. Come we'll talk about that two. more. So Feyre gets on a horse. After being released, Feyre gets mm-hmm. on a horse and she... Battles her way back over days to the Prithian Wall. And then she has Originally to find a way through find the wall. A way yeah. through. She finds the hole and she makes it to the spring court. I can only imagine that she's been on the road for a few days at this point. Yeah. It looks like the gates, like everything is dead quiet. Oh, yeah. It's really it's very eerie. An eerie scene that she arrives to. Everything is dead quiet. You can't hear the sounds of birds chirping or any animals. Like there's no wind. The gates have been bent as if massive hands had wrenched yes. them apart. That was Ugh. a that was a very arresting image to read about. It's just very scary. Like it it feels very haunted, mm-hmm. right? And then she gets that and she realizes that everyone's gone and 
the way that she was yelling out, for, and not only just for Tamlin, but also for, for Lucian. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that made me so emotional. It was like she was, it was like her lover and because her friend. Because that was her, that had become her home. Yeah. Like Nesta was right. This place had been her home and they were her new family. And then that's where the chapter ends. And she, she just like kind of sinks to her knees, she doesn't her she? Knees, yeah. yeah. And she was like, they were all gone. And she was too late. I think, yeah. I think that's what it says. Like, they were gone, and I was too late. I wish that we had briefly discussed her father. Let's do it. It was so interesting that we had these moments with both Elaine and with Nesta, and we didn't get that. The only interaction we really have with her father is him examining the jewel. Like, this actually really gave me the ick. She observes. I think she she doesn't doesn't have much direct engagement with her father at all. She observes that he is happier he is counting her money. He's he's like you know, investing it for her, investing it for her, doing all this stuff. But she does also notice that his limp is improved. Yeah, because and he was able is, to afford and that there some is kind of light Alexa. in his eyes. Well, she says she says of course because some random traveler had come and offered an elixir and a salve. Oh, that's what it that was. Yeah, magically made it better. And she has like her heart. She knows squeezes, that was Tamlin. And she says she's like even if Tamlin had done nothing else, I would have been indebted to him forever for that. Her gratitude is very profound. Yeah. It just gave me the ick a little bit for her dad. I was her like, your, is... your, your daughter has been away for how many well, months? And like, you're I mean, not it makes like it... over yourself, like being like, are you safe? Where, I mean, clearly she looks fine. Well, and then she even says like when she learns that Nesta went out herself into the forest and she realizes even if my father hadn't been glamored, he would have at best tried to hire someone else to do it. And my sister, with all of the anger and hatred and rage in her heart, she was the one. she was the one who found the strength to do it for me. Because yeah. Nesta just keeps saying to her, "It wasn't right." It, yes. Oh this, my god! And we can't go any further. I know. Be in this, 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 this exit from like her family's presence mm-hmm. hit me so much harder this time than in the beginning at the beginning of this book in chapter five or whatever it oh was, yeah right? no i think it, and i think it's supposed to i think sjm did a really wonderful job of, of tra- re-establishing those connections and what they mean for Feyre. and so it is harder for us to leave them behind and also this is she has agency mm-hmm. this time yes. where she didn't before she's choosing to leave mm-hmm. this is where the next part of our story will begin now so do we have anything else to say before we transition over to our spoiler land? I don't think so. I think I've got I think I've got all my main points down. And I, I think, think we've... I have I think I have as well. All right. Oh so... wait, no, I have one more. Okay. I really liked that Feyre asks Nesta what happened with Thomas Mandry. Yes. And she says, I realized he wouldn't have gone with me to rescue you from Prithian. And that's all she says about it. I loved that. I love Nesta. She is so fun to read about. I love Nesta, and Elaine still irritates me. (laughs) But I think because we know that SJM doesn't do anything Anything on purpose, I mean, or without a purpose. I think even if we don't really like see the same kind of like edge or strength in Elaine as we get from Nesta, I think again, I think Elaine's strength. Is just different. Yes, and strength presents itself in many different ways, and we don't know which what is important because yes. you and I gravitate towards female characters who are a little grittier, who are a little more edgy, 
edgy, a little. We we like a female character with some rage. Mm-hmm. We're big about feminine rage, oh, yeah. and we love that. And I, but I think it's important to remember that these softer that they are equally as important yeah. and are and don't sometimes in books don't get the the moments they deserve. Yeah, I just don't think we've had Elaine's moment yet. I know we haven't because I've read everything that SJM has come out with this (laughs) (laughs) book. And on that note, we desperately need to transition into spoiler land because we have lots more to talk about. So thank you for joining us for this part one of episode six. We've had so much fun. Shit's about to get real, real. It's going to be interesting to to dissect. And and going forward into episodes seven and eight and nine. nine. We're going to have three more. Okay. Shit gets dark. There's a lot, yeah. So all of all of the fun, happy, whimsiness has going come to, to a close. Gone. It is. <laughs> it's going to be pretty action packed for the rest of the season. So lots to look forward to. Thank you so much for joining us once again on the Greatest Genre. Yes, and just a quick reminder to follow us on Instagram at the underscore Greatest Genre on Twitter at Greatest Genre. You can email us at thegreatestgenre at gmail and also follow us on TikTok. Yes. the greatest genre yes and uh for those of you who have read everything that sjm has written we will see you very shortly for part two in the spoiler section thanks very much